You're listening to the Fantasy Football Astronauts. Welcome back to another episode of the Fantasy Football Astronauts. I'm your host today, Rish. You can catch me on Twitter at FF underscore Rish. Jetpack is here with me as well today. How are you doing, buddy? I'm good, brother. We got another stud on, so excited about that. Yeah. We're excited for today. Today we have for you a guest. Uh, this is Kyle Yates. You can find him on Twitter at Kyle Y NFL. Um, he's an analyst and podcast host at the Fantasy Pros. Um, we're really excited to have you on today. How are you doing, Kyle? Good, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on, guys. Always game to talk these prospects and uh, and these incoming rookies. So yeah, I'm excited. It's going to be a lot of fun. This this rookie running back class is one of the best we've had in uh, in a little while here, and every single guy is exciting. So um, really excited to see what you think about the top guys, and then we'll get into some sleepers as well and and our thoughts on them. Um, real quick for all the listeners, how did you get into fantasy football? So it's actually pretty funny. I didn't start playing fantasy football until about like 2012, 2013. Um, so I grew up uh, a diehard hockey fan. And so I really didn't get into football at all until I got to college. And uh, at that point, you know, got uh, got brought in and and kind of just fell in love with it. So, uh, yeah, I, I was an avid fantasy football fan for a few years there, kind of just uh, learning the, learning the game. I was a diehard or avid, excuse me, listener of the fantasy footballers. And so they kind of got me into fantasy football. And then in that time I started writing for a small website, uh, just to kind of build up my portfolio or, you know, if you will, and, uh, applied for an opening for the fantasy football fantasy footballers writing position and actually got it somehow uh, looking back i don't know why they chose me but <laughs> um but yeah so i got brought on to the writing team at the fantasy footballers last april actually uh, just a, over a year ago and so wrote for them last year and then applied for the full-time position at fantasy pros last year uh in november or so and um was the person that they chose out of all the applicants uh, and so got brought on full-time alongside bobby sylvester and mike taglier to the amazing team at fantasy pros so it's been a crazy whirlwind of a year. Uh, I can't yeah. overstate that. You know, last year, um, yeah, not nuts. you know, just two weeks, you know, two weeks ago at this time last year, not even writing for the fantasy footballers, and now to be full time for a couple months here. I got brought on in January, so uh, learning what full time in fantasy football looks like, and uh, man, it's just it's a ton of fun. I get to wake up every day and and talk football, so I absolutely love it. It's awesome. oh, that's super that's, cool. Yeah, that's the dream job right there. <laughs> Yeah, man. uh, Yeah, it's great. What do they have you in charge of in terms of uh, like your writing or um, how you're aiming? Yeah, so we do we cover everything, right? So we cover redraft stuff um, heavily in season. So I'll be on the main podcast uh, throughout the, you know, as one of the hosts throughout the season. But then my like specialty and what I bring to the table is specifically in dynasty coverage. So I will be we'll be doing a, a dynasty podcast throughout the season. Uh, to be able to cover that for people who really want to get into it because we're seeing more and more people start to turn towards like taking fantasy football even more seriously than they have previously. And, you know, there's always like these like niche, you know, corners of the market where people were playing dynasty for how long, you know, however long, but that wasn't really mainstream. Now dynasty is starting to turn towards like pretty much everyone's wanting to be in in dynasty leagues or wanting to play that. So 
I'll be doing that um, throughout the season. And then, but yeah, the main portion of what I'm doing is uh, in these incoming rookies. Uh, you know, in this class, I've scouted over 120 players uh, on both the offensive and defensive side of the ball. And I've watched over 500 games of film on this class. So uh, it's exhausting work, but uh, one yeah. that I absolutely love doing. It's awesome. Um, all right, let's get into it. Let's get into the uh, top rookie running backs. Um, give all the listeners your top five rookie running backs so far. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So I'll, I'll break down really quickly how I grade. Um, so in my grading scale, I have two two separate phases or three, actually. So the first one is tape evaluation. So I'll sit down and watch a minimum of three games of tape on these prospects. Uh, that's a minimum. A lot of these guys I've watched more, um, but I'll, I'll grade based on eight traits or characteristics and then assign them a grade uh, based upon that. And so that's the first phase. The second phase is where I uh, factor in combine and injury rating. So with combine, I use weight adjusted spark to be able to kind of give them a, a, a number value based on how well they perform at the combine to validate what I saw on tape and then injury uh, ratings. So if they have a ton of injury concerns, these guys are going to fall down my you know rankings just because I, I really try to stay far away from injury concerns in, uh, in college because I think that continues on in the NFL. So um, and then the third is just landing spot. So that's after the draft, you know, being able to look at these guys based on where they landed uh, and then assign them, you know, a grade and rank out from there. So based on the first two phases with, uh, you know, tape evaluation and combine and injury rating, my top five is Jonathan Taylor out of Wisconsin as the number one running back. DeAndre Swift closely behind him at number two. Uh, DeAndre Swift, a running back out of Georgia. And then I have J.K. Dobbins out of Ohio State at number three. And then I have Keyshawn Vaughn out of Vanderbilt at running back four, which could surprise a lot of people. Oh, yeah, <laughs> and then I have, uh, <laughs> yeah, and then I have Cam Akers at number five uh, out of Florida State. So those are my top five. But again, like I'll need to stress, like there's a you know breaking it up into tiers. I have Jonathan Taylor and DeAndre Swift in a tier, you know, by themselves, kind of there up at the top. J.K. Dobbins is kind of in a tier by himself, just based on my grading scale, and then. It, Keyshawn Vaughn, Cam Akers, and Clyde Edwards Hilaire, which is my sixth running back. Uh, you know, they're all kind of grouped together. So in that like last tier of Keyshawn Vaughn, Cam Akers, and Clyde Edwards Hilaire, if you if I were to switch around that order, I wouldn't, you know, think twice about it. That's just kind of how close they are together. So that is my top five. That's good. That's that's the importance of having tiers as well, because um when you when you have landing spots factored in people can shift around and, and guys can shift around based on their landing spot. If their talent is that similar. Um, Jetpack, are you a little bit surprised that Clyde Edwards Hilaire is not in that top five? Um, no, I, th I think it's all about how you, how much you care about the 40 time and that kind of stuff. Um, and I know like pr from a production standpoint, because he's a late breakout guy, some people will have him dropped a little bit further. Um, I got him in my top five pretty easily though. Um, pretty far ahead of Vaughn, but I mean, you know, it's a, uh, it's a mix of just how you're going to weigh things and how, how you view him as a prospect. That's good. Um, so Kyle, which, which of these five running backs or, or six, if you want to, um, put Clyde in there, which of them is the most intriguing for you as a prospect? Obviously, uh, you're going to have, you have Keyshawn Vaughn a little bit higher than most people, but, um, is there anyone that kind of stuck out to you as, this guy is a super intriguing prospect. He's the one I, I enjoyed the most. 
I think the the guy who I've, if we classified as that, the guy that I've enjoyed watching the most has been DeAndre Swift out of Georgia. You know, I I did uh, every summer I'll sit down and I'll do uh, summer scouting for the upcoming class. And so that entails watching previous, you know, years of film. So like with DeAndre Swift, I've watched games from 2018 of uh, Auburn, Alabama, University of Florida, like those three games I was watching in 2018 and came away super, super impressed. Um, I saw some things that, you know, indicated that this guy is very elusive in the open field. Uh, he has an incredibly powerful dead leg move. It's just some something that like when you watch him do it on film, like you kind of like jump out out of your seat. Right. It's one of those moves that yeah. is super exciting and, uh, and, you know, that is going to be fun to watch in the NFL. Well, then watching 2019. I didn't really see that as much, but instead I saw a, a shift in his game towards more of a power running back. He added on a little bit of weight um, based on what I could tell from film. And then, you know, he was more willing to engage with defenders as far as like lowering his shoulder, lowering his helmet and driving through. Uh, and again, being able to go through the tackles in between the tackles, excuse me, and be able to drive through and just pick up that tough yardage where I think some backs in this class will rather than do that, they'll try to like bounce back outside or, you know, try to be elusive in between the tackles rather than just giving picking up what's given to them. So uh, but again, at that point, I didn't see much of the elusiveness in 2019 tape. So if you're watching DeAndre Swift just purely based on his 2019 tape, I don't think that you have as much of an idea of how elusive he is in the open field. And I think that what he did as far as a mindset going into this year was I need to become more well-rounded. So I'm going to focus on this aspect of my game. And he proved that he can be a a three down back in the NFL. I don't think that that like trait of just elusiveness is completely gone. Right. I just don't think it like disappeared. I think it's still there and I think it's going to show up in the NFL. So he's someone like I had rated as the number one running back, uh, pretty steadily ahead of Jonathan Taylor. But when I factored in weight adjusted spark, Jonathan Taylor's, you know, like a 98%, uh, you know, he's just ridiculous right. based it, on what he he's ran. unreal. Yeah, just based on what he ran at the combine at his weight. So, you know, he he jumped ahead a little bit, but man, I, I, I'm fine taking either one of these with the 101 pick in a dynasty rookie draft because I think both of them are going to be pretty special. So, yeah, as far as like the player that I was really intrigued with that I really, really enjoyed watching, it's DeAndre Swift because I think he brings just he he's never going to come off the field and he can be that receiving option out of the backfield, whereas Jonathan Taylor he can catch the ball. It's kind of like a Derrick Henry situation, right? Where Derrick Henry, I think, can catch the ball. He's just not used that way heavily. Uh, I think that's going to be kind of how you use Jonathan Taylor, where you're going to be giving him 20 to 25 carries on the ground and maybe two to three targets a game. Whereas DeAndre Swift, I could see him getting six targets a game and, you know, 15 to 20 carries a game. So, uh, yeah, DeAndre Swift, man, he's uh, he's a ton of fun to watch Have a dream landing spot for DeAndre Swift where he would he would uh, solidify himself as the 101. Um, it's a great question. I think, well, obviously like <laughs> Kansas city, uh, <laughs> you know, I think we can say that with any of these bags where if we just yeah. put one of these back, you know, even cam acres, you know, if we put cam acres in, in Kansas city, he might jump up to the one one. I think Deandre, the most realistic though, would be, uh, Tampa Bay. And I think he would fit perfectly. Another one of these backs that would fit perfectly in Tampa Bay is JK Dobbins. I, I just think Deandre Swift in Tampa Bay would solidify him as that one one because, we saw how Bruce Arians used David Johnson a few years ago and how I think that DeAndre Swift has a similar skill set. But yet, you know, Tom Brady also loves utilizing his running backs out of the backfield. So, yeah, I think DeAndre Swift in Tampa, as far as a dream landing spot, man, that would be so much fun for fantasy football. 
I love that answer so much. I feel like that's that's the single right answer there too. You <laughs> yeah, know? that's the spot where you want everybody to go. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I, I thought it was interesting how you're comparing 2019 tape and 2018 tape and how players look different year to year. I, I found kind of similarities there with Zach Moss kind of uh, being a little bit less explosive or a little bit, you know, his acceleration didn't show up as much this year or, you know, Benjamin kind of a, a similar type vibe. So um, just like, and then like JK Dobbins 2018 wasn't all that special. Um, and so just like how year to year, so much changes for a player and what he learns or how he adapts or what the off season looks like or how his offensive line changes um, that being able to watch both years is I think pretty valuable for context. Um, so it's like, Oh, I have five games of 2019, but even if I'm able to get like one or two in 2018, that that adds a lot of value to me, uh, to the way that I'm like viewing or understanding a guy. Because you want to see how they improve. Yeah, yeah. And and or how they, you know, how they change, like you mentioned. You know, I think with Zach Moss, it's a great example because we can look at Zach Moss's 2018 tape versus 2019 and then see, you know, like you said, the drop off in athleticism. Well, okay. Was that due to his injury history? Cause he's got a lengthy injury history and just the way that he runs, you know, I on the fantasy pros football podcast recently, I mentioned Zach Moss and Bobby talked about him in like the sense of a Chris Carson. We're not necessarily like the, the style of runner or anything like that, but just how Chris Carson plays. Like it's his last down every single down, you know, like he just has that fighter mentality and I think that that's how Zach Moss approaches the game. But man, we've seen that be dangerous for Chris Carson because he's constantly injured. And so with Zach Moss, that's kind of the same story where he's got a lengthy injury history. And could it be just because he's been dealing with so many injuries that he lost that explosiveness from one year to the next? So, yeah, it's super interesting. It's super, you know, it's difficult. This is where the difficulty comes in with evaluating these prospects because, okay, what t- what type of player am I actually going to get? Am I going to get the 2018 version or am i going to get the 2019 and that's where context comes into play here so uh yeah it's a super interesting point yeah um we're we're both uh both jetpack and i are chiropractors so the uh the injury portion and kind of analyzing those different things are are things that we like to get into um both pre and post draft and kind of seeing uh where on the depth chart uh this could land them if they do have injury history how how it's going to take uh how difficult it's going to be for them to get up to speed um with their with their new teams um just based on the injury part because that's that's kind of our forte so uh, i love that you weigh that in because i don't think enough people uh take that as a specific part of their analysis and i think that's very important because football is such a violent game and injuries are very recurrent so um i love that you add that in um Next question for you is which of the five, which of your top five is, is going to be the best value in dynasty drafts? And I think I know the answer here, but who, who do you feel like you're going to end up with the most with because their value is going to be uh, so well, so good? Of course. Well, I think, yeah, like you said, you think, you think, you know, the answer it's Keyshawn Vaughn just because I think, uh, and I was looking at his ADP earlier. I'll try to pull it up here really quick, but like, man, he's going super late. And I just think that a lot of people are looking at the type of offense that he was in last year, which let's be honest, like Vanderbilt sucked last year. Like their offense was absolutely atrocious, but yet looking at the tape, like Keyshawn Vaughn was popping off the tape consistently and he was a player that I was really impressed with. Uh, I think he has great contact balance, great tackle breaking ability, uh, is a great pass catcher out of the backfield, excellent in pass protection. So he brings like the intangibles that I want to the table. But then I think, you know, he runs a little bit more stiff than I would like. I would like to see some more sideline to sideline agility, but yet 
you know, I think he brings enough to the table that he's going to be successful in the NFL. And I look at, you know, landing spot for him. And one that is super intriguing is Houston, like Houston in the second or third round. Like, what are we, you know, what do we think about that? Where if he does end up there, could he be an extreme value behind David Johnson? Because let's be honest, I, I, I think we can all agree that like David Johnson hasn't exactly been the model of health over the past few years. He's not. <laughs> so, Pretty you know, close. I just think that, right. You know, I just think that if, if he lands up in that spot, he could easily take over that role in the third or fourth round, you know, he steps in and, and can easily take over that workload. And in Houston, we've seen the running backs there. Like, Carlos Hyde finished top 12 in running back attempts last year and had over a thousand yards on the ground. Like we just don't talk about that enough. And I think that any back that steps into there is going to be walking into an amazing situation. So I think Keyshawn Vaughn is a little bit more dependent upon landing spot, just based on where he's going to go in the NFL draft. You know, we have to factor in draft capital, you know, we just, we simply have to. And so, but if he does end up in a great spot, I think he could be someone who could be an extreme value and just not enough people are talking about based on his talent level and what I, what I saw on tape. I did refresh up on him uh, today a little bit and um, was pleasantly reminded of, uh, of the talent that he has because he kind of goes under the radar for sure uh, with, with how top heavy this class is. Um, the other spot that I was thinking for uh, kind of a, a Zach Moss or, um, Keyshawn Vaughn would be the LA chargers, right? They have Justin Jackson there. And then like having someone to compliment Austin Eckler, who I think is the true RB one there. Um, I think that would be another excellent spot. You saw Melvin Gordon have, have really great success. And, uh, and so I think, I think LA would be, would be another spot where if the goes in the second round or, or even the third round, like that's still enough draft capital um, in LA for me to say, okay, yeah, this is, this is a guy that I definitely want on my team. Completely. I would completely agree. I was sitting down and I was going through my initial 2020 projections already for, and I got to Los Angeles, the chargers, and I looked at their running back attempts and I was like, okay, well, Austin Eckler has never been a guy that you want to give the ball on the ground, you know, just on it at his size, you never want to give him the ball more than 120 times, you know, on the ground. I just don't think that that's realistic. So then Justin Jackson could see like 180 carries if we split up with Tyrod Taylor as a starter, you know, like just trying to assign where these rushing attempts are going to go. LA is a sneaky spot for a running back to step in and have a, a, a significant workload right out of the gate. Absolutely. And I think part of what factors into that for me is like we were talking earlier is uh, Justin Jackson's injury history, right? He's not been the guy that, okay, you put him in the the bell cow role and all of a sudden he's injury free uh all through mm -hmm. his time at northwestern he was just kind of constantly banged up whether he's playing through injury uh or, or whatnot and then as soon as he steps into the the lead role um for la kind of got banged up easily so um so that's a spot where i see a lot of volatility and um would love to see one of these bigger uh more physical backs end up there um just to kind of complement the the austin eckler type i think that would be fun fun for uh, like real nfl and for fantasy as well i agree yeah Keyshawn's um, a, a pretty interesting eval for me because he stands out like from a production standpoint doing so well and doing well early in the sec um to where i'm putting like um in my model i have production side and a combine side and so on the production side he's he's up there with cam Akers, um derrick henry sony michelle just in terms of what he's able to do from a productivity statistical standpoint. 
um, in the SEC. And um, so, like, his numbers there were pretty interesting. I, I think he falls a bit in my model because his combine wasn't that impressive. Um, the 4-5 that he ran I thought was interesting. He, he looks faster than that to me on tape, and I think that's kind of what everybody was expecting was that he'd be more of a, a speed guy. Um, but that, that 4-5 is – I mean, David Johnson's a four-five guy. Aaron Jones is a four-five-six, four-five-three guy. So, like, in that range of guys, there's still plenty of juice in the low four-five range. Um, but is that kind of what you're thinking in terms of um, his upside attached to speed? Uh, yeah, it's a great point that because there's uh, plenty of plays on tape where he's breaking away. You know, a huge uh, his play speed is incredible. Is what I'm trying to say. Like he has great play speed. Mm-hmm. I was on um, the Dynasty Blueprint podcast recently with Ryan McDowell and Matt Williamson, and we were talking about how it's super interesting. Just how like from a talent evaluator and where we sit, looking at like combine forty yard dash numbers, and we say, well, this player ran a four five one, but if he had ran a four point four nine we would all be like completely on board right like we would be just completely in a different boat of saying like this guy ran four four but yet it was literally only like two tenths of a second slower (laughs) you know so it's where i think just a mentality where i think Keyshawn vaughn running a four five one like that's still really good for his size and we've seen back like josh jacobs last year uh, he wasn't able to participate in the combine if i'm remembering correctly but ran like a four six at his pro day like but yet we're all in love with Josh Jacobs from a fantasy football perspective because he's going to get the workload and, uh, you know, he's he's shown enough in the NFL already. So, you know, with Keyshawn Vaughn running a 4-5-1, I'm not necessarily as concerned uh, based on his size, too, and at the running back position. I want more, you know, I would love to see him run the three cone because I think that's where my questions were with his agility, with his sideline to sideline, you know, or lateral agility. That was where my question was with him. Him not running that was a little bit concerning, but a four five one is I think is fine at his size. And again, if it was two tenths of a second faster, we would be in a completely we would be having a different conversation. Absolutely, that's it's incredible how much that that uh, really just makes players money. You know, if it's if it's that much faster than than they're drafted a, a couple spots earlier, a round earlier, and the really the difference is so minuscule that it's it's almost not worth noting. Um, no, that's a good point there. All right, let's talk a little bit about uh, your sleeper running backs. Do you have any guys that are um, later round or, or names that aren't necessarily being talked about that you think deserve more credit and actually could have some fantasy value for this upcoming season? So there's actually several because it's uh, like you mentioned, like this running back class is really deep and it's really, you know, there's a lot of guys who could walk into situations and contribute, you know, like we're getting down to guys like my RB 10 or 11, where I'm finally like, okay, you know, if everything goes right for these guys, they could make an impact. But up until that point, like there are some guys that I really, really like. I'll talk about really quick. LaMichael P Ryan out of Florida, uh, five foot 10, 216 pounds. He's someone who I have at RB8, I believe, off the top of my head. I can look that up. Um, but yeah, like RB, yeah, RB7, excuse me. So I have him right behind Clyde Edwards Hilaire. LaMichael Whoa. P. Ryan is someone who I really, really liked. Uh, he's got great play speed, didn't run as well in uh, at the combine, which kind of knocks him down a little bit. But he has everything else that I'm looking for as far as great burst, great top end speed. He's phenomenal in contact balance. Uh, and pass catching as well. So this is a guy that I think no one's talking about, and I can look up his uh, ADP too. And it's I'm guarantee it's down there. Yeah, he's at RB forty seven, or uh, excuse me, not RB forty seven. <laughs> um, 
player 47 off the board in dynasty league football's ADP right now. So you're going to get this guy in the fourth round and he's someone yeah. who I really like. And I've watched one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine games on LaMichael P Ryan, both in 2018 and 2019 player. I came away extremely impressed with the more that I watched. So I think as far as like a sleeper, man, he's someone who I really, really like, and he's going super late in rookie drafts right now. You know, we want to talk about landing spot. Okay. Let's talk about the chargers in the fourth round. If he ends up there, I think he's walking into a great situation where he can be that workhorse back uh, and a compliment to Austin Eckler. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I'll i mention the Michael P. Ryan. Another guy that I'll just throw out there, um, Antonio Gibson out of Memphis. He's kind of this hybrid player, kind of a player that uh, is a cross between a wide receiver and running back. Very similar to, I think, what we saw out of Tony Pollard last year. But again, out of Memphis, but man, this guy has juice at six foot, 228 pounds. He ran a four, three, nine at the 40, I believe in the, at the combine. Uh, and this guy just has blazing top end speed, uh, has great agility burst, everything that you want out of like that playmaker. So I don't necessarily think that he's going to be ever a traditional, like running back, get 200 carries on a season, you know, but. And he, at this point, he's only got 77 career total touches on him. I think he didn't really play much until his senior year behind guys like Daryl Henderson and uh, Tony Pollard. But man, he can play. And so if he ends up in a, a good situation with an innovative play caller, uh, he could be someone who I look at in like the fourth or fifth rounds of my dynasty rookie drafts if they you know go past the fourth round. And someone who I'd be really, really excited to bring in and uh, and have that be in like a, a playmaker type role who could just rack up you know points for me. So uh, those are two names that I'll throw out there. And, uh, and I can certainly keep going if you want me to. <laughs> would love to hear your thoughts because I, I do. Uh, I, I liked uh, LaMichael Pirine um, at the Senior Bowl. I thought he, he showed some good stuff. The other guy that I think flashed at the Senior Bowl and kind of moved up some draft boards is uh, Joshua Kelly. Do you have any thoughts on Joshua Kelly? Yeah, yeah. So he was actually like someone who I had down my board as far as like in my prospect pool of guys that I was going to watch like later on, you know, and these are guys that I had him in like a grouping with Darius Anderson, Reggie Corbin, like Brian Harrigan, like these guys who I'm really, really not excited about um, from a fantasy perspective, because I don't think Joshua Kelly really did a lot in college. But so I picked his name out of a hat. Essentially, I was looking for someone to watch. I was like, all right, I'll watch Joshua Kelly next. And I came away really impressed. Uh, I think that 5'10", 212, he ran a lot faster than I thought he was going to. Uh, he's one of those players that you want to use, similar to how Adrian Peterson has been used over his career. And in no way am I calling Josh Kelly Adrian Peterson. Please do not, <laughs> do not make yeah. that association. But just saying like from where you have him lined up behind the quarterback, either in I formation or, you know, under center or in pistol or whatever, and allow him to pick up ahead of steam. Because at that point he just, it, he just, you know, plunges right through the line and is going to pick up additional yardage, lowers his head and is going to uh, embrace contact. And so Josh Kelly was a player that I came away actually pretty impressed with for who he is. I don't think I'm ever going to, you know, be as excited, even if he lands up in a great spot. I'm not going to be as excited about him as, you know, a Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, these guys who I have rated much higher, but yet he could be that rotational kind of back that if he does get, you know, let's say the starter goes down in front of him and he's now the next guy up. I think I'd be looking at him off the waiver wire in, you know, redraft leagues or if I have him on my dynasty rosters, someone who I'd be excited to plug in because he was someone that I actually came away pretty impressed with. Yeah, he was he was someone that really flashed at the senior bowl. I thought he was the best running back at the senior bowl uh, by a long shot. Um, 
And yeah, just going back and watching some of his tape, he, he has a lot of things that are more impressive than you would have, would have thought. Um, and at 5'11", 212, he's a, a great size for uh, an NFL running back. So um, yeah, I thought he had, while he's, he's not like special, like some of these other guys, he's, there's nothing that I'm uh, really concerned about with him, you know, um, which I think is, is just a good place to be on him. Um, Jetpack, do you have any thoughts on these sleeper RBs? And then we'll, we'll uh, get out of here. Yeah. Um, like Kelly or even like, you know, Benjamin, it's, it's always fun to see a guy hurdle somebody. Um, and Kelly just is kind of like a sneaky good hurdler. Um, and just like how quick he is to be able to do that even as a bigger guy. And so, um, sometimes when somebody does something special on tape, um, then that bumps them up pretty high for me. Um, another guy I liked was Rico Dowdle. If you watch his Kentucky game, um, it's like one of the best, one of the better games you can have. Um, and so he, he was pretty impressive, but I, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of these guys are backup guys. Um, Josh Kelly though stands out, I think because he'll be, he'll end up being a backup that could become a starter kind of player. Um, someone gets hurt and then he can be like fantasy relevant more so than I think any, anyone else in the, this crop of the like back end sleeper kind of guys. I think what you're looking at with some of these guys as well is that they're the NFL is moving more towards these committee backfields. And so it feels like there's a bunch of guys in here that could just murky, make, make, uh, make all these running back, uh, backfields really murky, you know, like totally. Josh Kelly yeah. could go in uh, to the Eagles and then all of a sudden, you know, he's, he's splitting time with Miles Sanders. Not, not that he's better than Miles Sanders, not that he's taking all of the snaps there, but all of a sudden he's eating into a snap share of a guy that you're, you're really excited about. And um, while that's frustrating, it also shows just how good of a class this is. It's, it's really quite incredible how, how good this class is um, in, at all positions, truly. Totally. Yeah. I mean, there's no reason but, why if you're the Eagles, there's no reason why you wouldn't just plug him in and play him. Um, like and split everybody 30%. Like there's no reason for an NFL team not to do that. And there's so much talent here that you can do that with a lot of these guys. Like Darrington Evans is like just as good as Justice Hill was last year. Um, Justice Hill's, you know, now part of a committee. And, and so he's, he has to find a way to mix in, but like, that's, that's what it's going to end up being for a lot of people is we'll have, we'll have, we'll be really high on a guy kind of like we were with Justice Hill or some people are like, Oh, Darrington Evans is a great sleeper. Um, but we're like a lot of these guys are just going to be mixing in for committees. And so like the value of finding a top five guy to, to get the right landing spot, you need that match. Yeah. Yep. That's why landing spot becomes so important. Um, especially in your redraft rankings and, uh, and, and like just year to year while talent may win out in the end, um, year to year landing spot is just super important. All right, Kyle, thank you so much for coming on and, uh, and talking these rookie running backs with us. This is my favorite position to scout. Um, so I had a, I had a blast looking at these guys and, and talking. Um, is there anything that you want to leave our listeners with? Any, uh, any shout outs you want to give? Oh, no, I'll just say thank you guys for having me on. I always enjoy talking to these guys, too. So, uh, and I, again, the running back position is my favorite position to scout, too. So uh, we're in that same boat. I love a lot of these guys, uh, and it's just going to be super fun. I mean, the NFL draft's almost two weeks away, guys. So it's super exciting that we're almost here. Uh, and again, I can't wait to see how this uh, virtual you know thing all plays out. Yeah. Uh, it'll be super interesting, but man, I'm, I'm here for it. It's going to be a lot of fun, just like a fantasy uh, fantasy football draft for these exactly. NFL GMs now. 
So we want to talk a little bit more specifically about the model and what what kind of names that produces up at the top. Um, Jonathan Taylor is the big winner here, where he's got the second best score in the model overall. And so this this again, the the running back pre-draft model is better than draft itself um, in terms of predicting fantasy success. So uh, we really like the model. Um, but model. Uh, J- Jonathan Taylor fits in uh, number two overall behind Saquon. Um, and then right after him is Leonard Fournette, Ezekiel Elliott, Joe Mixon, Christian McCaffrey. So, um, I mean, I, I, from film, we love everything we see about Jonathan Taylor. And um, really the only question is, what does he do in terms of like his implementation as a receiver um, at the next level? Um, I think Leonard Fournette is a great comparison in terms of what you're going to get from a fantasy standpoint. Um, and he has that kind of upside, at, at, at least as an athlete, he has the upside to convert the way Leonard Fournette has into um, like a, a more receive, uh, like a, a bigger receiving role, but it just depends on what the coordinator wants to do. So, I mean, he could go to a team where they, they want that third option or I mean a third down option like the Bengals have done with Joe Mixon. Um, right. And then that's going to drop his yeah. a little bit. Yeah. But as far as who he is as a, as a runner, he's I think as good as anybody else that we've, we've seen um, in the last 10 years or so. So Absolutely. yeah, big fan there. Um, do you have any extra thoughts on on Taylor there? Do you value him as highly as a Leonard Fournette, or would you? Where would you put him? Um, as far as when Leonard Fournette was coming out, uh, I, I probably thought Leonard Fournette was a little bit better prospect, just skill wise. We saw a lot from him. Um, but where Leonard Fournette is now, I would. I'm not as high on him. He still screams uh, to me ACL, like just red flags everywhere. <laughs> uh, so I'm, last year, last year I thought that it would be the year. This year, I'm still not. I don't think he's out of the clear. Um, so I would say, I would say they're probably right around the same for me. Uh, maybe, maybe Jonathan Taylor a little bit higher just because of youth at this point. Um, but I would say, I, I think. From a prospect, when you're looking at them both as prospects, I would have had Leonard Fournette a little bit higher. Now that uh, that Leonard Fournette's into his career a little bit, I think I think I would take Jonathan Taylor over Leonard Fournette, mostly for uh, age and injury concerns. But I, I think same same tier as far as uh, talent wise and um, value wise. Yeah, I'm with you there. I got him ahead of Leonard Fournette right now, so um, definitely excited about his future. I think he'll be a 10, 12 year. NFL back and, and relevant, relevant throughout his career. I think um, like stylistically, Amon Green is a really interesting comparison um, who came out of Nebraska and uh, moved around a little bit before he settled in with the Packers, but just was fantastic in NFL Street too. So um, a lot of upside <laughs> there for Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> and uh, yeah, like um, Corey Dillon was another comparison that people have made. So I, I'm all about comps, you know, but um, really, really like you what what uh, Jonathan Taylor is all about. So big fan. The question for me, the question for me, I think is um, because when we're talking about uh, regular one quarterback leagues, he's the pretty consensus one Oh one. When you get to the super flex leagues where quarterbacks definitely have more value, would you take Tua and Joe Burrow over uh, Jonathan Taylor? Or do you think you still might bump him up just because uh, of his athleticism and, and his long-term potential there? I think it's about roster construction. And if you don't have a quarterback, you you need to take a quarterback. You don't have a choice. Um, but if you do, if you have two quarterbacks, uh, like, I don't know. I mean, I'm taking Taylor for sure. He's, he's elite 
he's elite in like every way um, that you can ask for in terms of what you want out of your running back. And you know, he's going to be guaranteed 10 years of relevance. Uh, that's, that's where I'm at on him as how, as far as like how high I am. Um, like, yeah. I mean, Leonard Fournette's not running four, three. Ezekiel, it's not running four, three. Yep. You know, it's, hey, it's I'm with you. Definitely I'm special. with you. Yeah. Let's, let's lock him in there. If you, if you don't need the quarterback, He's definitely uh, at least worth the 101 in Superflex leagues. Yeah. Um, two on the pre-draft score is actually AJ Dillon. And so that will surprise Baby. a lot of people, but he is up there so high because his college production was fantastic from the get-go. Um, 1,600 yards his freshman season um, in the ACC. So he's you know relevant from that standpoint that the ACC is at least a Power 5 conference and there's some good competition there. And as a freshman, he's coming out um, and he's a grown man just throwing people around um, who are like getting ready to go into the NFL. He's like tossing them. Um, and so AJ Dillon really stood out from that perspective as far as his productivity throughout the entirety of his career. And then his combine was fantastic. Um, running a four, five, three, yeah, four, five, three at 247 pounds. He's, you know, just, just phenomenal. And so a lot of people are comparing him to Derek Henry immediately. Um, just because of the the combine being so similar with him and the the weighted speed score, um, I, I've kind of struggled with how to evaluate AJ Dillon. And I think your comparison to Jordan Howard was fantastic in terms of um, what we will get from a fantasy standpoint, but just how plug and play he is um, in terms of like his physical abilities um, and, and the way he'll go. I, I don't. So I'm back and forth, right? I think I really liked. Um, Derrick Henry as a comparison, and I think you have to compare him to Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry in terms of like figuring out, okay, how does this guy fit in the NFL? What does that look like? Um, but as far as runners go, he doesn't fall forward as much as Derrick Henry does. He doesn't have as much pop. He doesn't lower his shoulder as well. Um, and he's more of a like literally just like grab you and throw you to the ground kind of running back, which is so interesting um, being like he's like a wrestler almost um, in the way that he approaches the game. And then he's got – like good vision and he'll make a quick cut and then he can get up upfield fast. Um, but where are you at on AJ Dillon? Like him. Um, where do I have him? I have him at my running back eight right now. Uh, I, there are a couple guys that I would prefer over him just because I think their skill set's a little more versatile, but I, I mean, I, I remember watching his highlight film when he was a freshman and just being wowed by the guy and he, like the dude is a monster and he kind of reminds me of like a Kenneth Dixon type, play style where um he doesn't care he's just going to like you're going to get out of his way whether he moves you or you move yourself um and so i like i think he's a ton of fun to watch um but yeah i think you're like the jordan howard situation where yeah he's still fantasy relevant but i don't think he's going to have the opportunity um where jordan howard had a john fox offense where all they did was run the ball with jordan howard um, I, I don't think he's going to have that same opportunity. I think it's going to be more of a pair him up with an explosive guy, uh, like, a, a like Jordan Howard with Miles Sanders. I think that's going to be more, your more likely outcome. Um, which is why I'm dropping him a little bit. If he lands in the right spot, I think he's definitely got the talent, um, to put up a, a ton of fantasy production. Um, but I don't think the way that he plays. And I don't think the way that the NFL is trending is going to be for him to, to have that type of role. So uh, I think you're really hoping for him to, to land in a spot where he's the goal line back. 
and could get get a ton of touchdowns. Um, he could be really valuable there. Uh, but there are a lot more well-rounded guys. Um, a lot of guys that I have less question marks about because they're more prototypical uh, NFL style running backs than AJ Dillon. We don't really have a lot of guys that are like AJ Dillon. So it's, it's hard for me to, despite his, uh, his athleticism and production, it's hard for me to have him super high because he is so out of the norm. Is he going to be as valuable as Derrick Henry? Remember it took Derrick Henry a couple of years to really break out and, and have this, uh, fantasy performance that he did this past season. So, um, right. is it, is it going to be something like that where it takes him time to adjust to the NFL or is he just going to continue to be an outlier and smash the NFL, just like he was smashing, uh, in the ACC. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, more, more question marks there with him. I, I really like him though. Um, I just, right. I just have a couple guys ahead of him for, um, for those reasons. Yeah. He's, he's pretty low, um, on my score as far as film goes, just because versatility is not there. Um, and I think it speaks to how you want to use analytics, right? You want to use it as a lens or a frame and you want to combine it with your understanding of who he is as a player in terms of his like physical abilities. I'm um, not just the stat standpoint. So um, even though he's two in the model, he'll be for me, he's like RB seven. Um, so I, and I, I feel pretty comfortable with that um, where he's at in, in that range. I say that again. I had something come up over here. Oh, you're good. Um, so um, number three for me is uh, Cam Akers in the model, and I, I think that's a pretty interesting one. That that puts him around Carryon Johnson, Ryan Matthews, Tevin Coleman type prospects, um, and I'm okay with that. Uh, he wasn't super productive at Florida State, and we've talked a lot about um, his offensive line, and you've heard all sorts of things. Worst offensive line in, in college football, basically, um, and just a total embarrassment in terms of like – when you're grading offensive lines, there are so like at the bottom end of the range is like a bunch of like conference USA, Mac school offensive lines. And then there's like Florida state. So his offensive line is terrible and he's playing against like pretty competitive athletes. Yeah. And so that's why it's so um, important to mention and talk about is that he's screwed, but he's, he's not just screwed against like, weak competition he's got guys that he's got to play against that are you know are athletic enough to keep up with him so um th i think that's why you have to weigh it a little bit more with him in terms of uh, his offensive line um but cam Akers for for me he's in that three range as well on tape and what i'm seeing too so i i like him overall um but yeah three four range uh for me uh, that's I, i've been having a tough time um, grading Cam Akers because he is hit behind the line so often um, and he does have to make so much happen on his own or, or when he actually does um, get some running room it's not necessarily up the middle right he's hit pretty much yep. right away none of his offensive linemen are getting to the second level so um, I, I just watched some more film on him today because he is he is so confusing um, but he's very well rounded um, if you watch him uh, if, if you watch him in pass protection, he's a really good blocker. Like he's not getting beat. Uh, he's, he's good at reading the blocks. He's, uh, I, I thought that was probably his best trait that you could actually see consistently on film. Um, and I think teams are going to like that. I think his NFL production is going to hurt him, but he did so well at the combine that, um, that I wouldn't be surprised if a team, uh, took him early second round. Uh, and there are some running back needy teams. Uh, so I think 
at, at the lowest I have him is five. Uh, I could easily yeah. see him being my number three running back though. So he's, he's anywhere in the three to five range. Uh, and then it kind of comes down to landing spot. Like if he's, if he's definitely sharing a backfield, then okay. Yeah. Closer to five. But if he lands in a place like uh, Tampa Bay or uh, LA or, you know, somewhere like that, I think that's, that's definitely a spot where um, he could do a lot of damage. He could be uh, very valuable. So, I, I like Cam Akers. I think um, another thing that I really liked was he's very explosive out of his cuts, right? He'll um, he's not necessarily the most shifty, like they're shiftier guys, but when he comes out of his cuts, he is so explosive. He's, he's stick his foot in the ground and get up field. And um, he's, he's fast. He's explosive. Um, so he has everything you like in a runner. Um, someone, someone tweeted at me today, uh, wherever I rank Cam Akers is too low. And so, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. cause, cause we never, we never really saw his true upside. We never really saw right. his true potential. If you put him on Georgia or you put him on, on Ohio state, like how much he's probably the same as JK Dobbins. He's probably the same as Deandre Swift as far as production goes. Yeah. I, I, so he's, he's interesting too, because he was a five-star prospect and the top rated running back coming out of high school. And I think in the Debbie community specifically, we'll get attached to guys that are coming out of high school. Um, and this guy was a five-star. And so, you know, he got robbed throughout his college career. And so it's good to put the full lens and then compare it to like everybody else that's come through college football um, in the last 10 years. And so that's why like carry on Johnson and Ryan Matthews, those names are valuable to me rather than saying like, Oh, this is a five-star best running back in the country guy that got robbed. Um, because I want to contextualize and put like everything into that. But I, yeah, definitely like K makers upside. Um, big fan of him. Four on the list is actually Josh Kelly, um, who we've already talked plenty about, but he's he's with uh, TJ Yeldon, Jeremy Hill kind of prospects. So um, definitely a little bit intrigued there. Um, kind of like potential RB2 upside, I would say, um, but might end up playing that backup role early. Um, you know, Benjamin. We, we, really yeah. oh, we really want Josh Kelly to land in a good spot. I right. think yeah. uh, we'll, know, we'll know a lot about his um, medium term success just based on his landing spot. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's all I got for, for Josh. Uh, Kelly. I, I like him a lot. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Eno Benjamin is going to slide in at number five. So like already we're missing big names in the top five. Um, but again, it's, that's part of what the value of a model is, is just painting the lens, but you know, Benjamin's around the, like Charles Sims, Joseph Randall. So he's interesting. And we didn't really talk about him too much yet. Um, but he was a guy who, um, played really well early on in his career and then his numbers came down a little bit last year but like he's got a bunch of intrigue um you know their 1600 yard season as a sophomore i believe so like big numbers um where are you at on benjamin what do you feel about his upside how would you compare him to the like, zach moss how would you compare him to zach i think um so this is this is a tough one because you know benjamin is one of my favorite guys to actually watch play, right? He's yep. very shifty. Um, I went and I was, I think I was ridiculed a little bit for this is I just love watching Eno Benjamin play football. Um, I think his size was a concern for some people. He weighed in uh, he's 5'9", 207. I'm fine with that. You know, like that's, that's not someone where, uh, where I'm all of a sudden concerned that he can't, actually have a three down role in the NFL. Um, I think he's a good pass catcher. Uh, I think, 
I think he's probably like the wiggliest running back out of this group. You know, there's, mm. he's, he's the, the shifty guy. So his, his run style is so different. And, um, so I don't know, I, I think, uh, he is, he's right there with like AJ Dillon for me. So Zach Moss, Josh Kelly, AJ Dillon, Eno Benjamin, all in that same tier for yeah. me. And so I'm, I'm really good with moving Eno Benjamin. Eno Benjamin could be my, my number six running back, you know, like if he lands right. in a good spot. And that's where it's yep. that's good where it's going to come down to with my my tier three uh, guys as far as my, my the film based stuff when you hit that tier three uh, for me the landing spot's going to be essential uh, I think he would be a great compliment and I don't know that uh, I feel like Miami's going to draft a guy higher than Eno Benjamin but I feel like he'd be a great uh, a great guy to end up in Miami because they have they have Kalen Balaj, who's a, a bigger body guy, but he stinks. Um, they have Jordan Howard, who's another bigger body guy, but he's not agile at all. And then you get Eno Benjamin, who comes in, and he's wiggly like Kenyon Drake, you know? And so he fits, uh, he, he, he fits that kind of role that they're now lacking on the offense. He fits, he fits a, a, a need that they could definitely have. Um, same thing like a behind a Leonard Fournette, you know, they, they love to give Leonard Fournette the ball, but Eno Benjamin is such a different type of runner that it would, I mean, all of a sudden teams have to prepare for something completely different. So I think there are a couple landing spots that really intrigue me about Eno Benjamin. I'm probably higher on him than most because his play style is a play style that I love to watch. Um, but yeah, those are my, those are my thoughts on, you know, he's, uh, he's athletic enough. Uh, he's explosive enough. He's agile enough, so I don't think there's anything not to like about Eno. Yeah, I'm. I've pinned him as um, I'm. I'm going to end up lower on him than most people, and I think he's a a backup. I don't. I don't know that he has NFL starter burst. Um, and, like he doesn't really pull away from anybody, and though like statistically he'll show up and he can like he has very good vision, um, and he's able to capitalize on um, holes that I mean are there. Uh, and he has like good shiftiness and really great contact balance. Like um, for me, that's the biggest question is um, four, five, seven is faster than Clyde Edwards Hilaire's four, six, one. But I didn't see that kind of like pull away speed at all. Right. Um, and and no, so totally. that, that kind of what got me stuck. I saw more out of Zach Moss in that sense of burst than I did out of, you know, Benjamin. And so um, that, that's my biggest question um, for him. But as far as like, being someone to enjoy to watch, he's the most innovative back that we've seen since yes. like Kareem Hunt or David Montgomery in, in that tier of like, whoa, what is that? <laughs> um, he's where, so sick. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm gonna tweet out a video of him um, like breaking out, and then he's like one on one with the the cornerback on the edge, and he does like karaoke. He, he oh like, yeah you've seen that um it's against think, arizona yeah. and he does like this like karaoke stuff and it doesn't do anything for him and but they're like running the clock out so he slides um but it's just so funny to, th to think like the way that jerry judy innovates in terms of route running mm -hmm. is the way that this guy's innovating in terms of the way that he's running the ball like you have to be so many levels ahead of everybody else in terms of the way that you understand the game to come up with these ideas that I think from that sense, he's really interesting to watch and a, and a joy in terms of like, Oh, I really love this football play that he's making. Um, think, yeah, what yeah. if, what if he got into a spot where, um, and now this is don't, don't mistake this with 
uh, a comparison, like a, a skill or a talent level comparison. Sure, yeah. But like, what if he ended up in a spot where he's kind of like an Alvin Kamara role was with Mark Ingram? You know, they had very similar measurables. Um, actually, almost almost identical measurables. Uh, Thirty nine and a half inch vertical for Kamara, thirty nine inches for you know four five. 744, you know, 456 for Alvin Kamara, 131 inch vertical for, for Kamara. As you see, he's a little bit more explosive than Emo, you know, but like that's like that's the that's the innovation. Alvin Kamara innovates as he runs, um, maybe in a, a slightly different way, but I feel like that's a that's a role where okay, he ends up on a on a offense where he's the complimentary back. Like you could you could potentially see Eno Benjamin be the Alvin Kamara of this class where he's not highly drafted in, in the rookie draft, but man, does he overproduce his draft capital? Sure. Yeah. I, I think so. I, you just told me not to compare, but I want to compare <laughs> Alvin Kamara is like a fish, right? He's like a barracuda and everything he does is streamlined and the way that he navigates and all that. He's like hard to grab and all this kind of stuff. Eno Benjamin is like a toad. And so, he, <laughs> but like, how good is that? He's, he, he'll create and he's hard to catch too, right? But it's very different in terms of like how far he's going, right? Where right. Alvin Kamara, he, like to, to grab him, he's slipping away from you and he's pulling away from you, right? Eno is slipping away and he's bouncing laterally or he's, you know, working in and out or he's running into a different tackle and he's like kind of innovating around the way he's taking on contact. Um, but it's different than Alvin Kamara who is, you know, specifically moving north south a lot of the time, um, and I, I think that's why when you're looking at measurables, if if you don't have that kind of like way of placing those two things together, that and you can be like, oh, they have great contact balance. Oh, this guy has really good elusiveness. Um, that's where the like nuance of even though I'm grading these players the same in terms of um, like how I'm scoring it, even even on a film grade. Um, that like nuance and understanding of how you're going to characterize things to me, that's the difference between like a Camara and a, and a Benjamin. And, and I 100% agree with that analysis. I'm definitely not comparing their skill level or, right, yeah. or anything like that. I'm saying of these guys in this class, if anyone were to have that sort of role or have that sort of uh, ability to do that, it would be, you know, Benjamin, they're not, yeah, not, not comparing like, how they right. play necessarily, but but where they fit in the NFL and, and where they fit value wise. Totally, yeah, definitely an interesting guy. Um, and then I think we're at six and seven. Um, DeAndre Swift and Zach Moss get stacked right on top of each other, right in the same range. Um, they're with uh, Lashawn McCoy, Joseph Adai, Antonio Pittman, Jeremy Langford, Trey Mason in the model. Daryl Henderson too is another name. Um, where they're all kind of lumped together. Sony Michelle actually um, as well. So interesting crop to put these guys with because there's pro bowlers and then there's guys who just like never really figured it out. Um, I'm more confident um, in Deandre Swift than I am in Zach Moss. And like, I think everybody is, um, but that's where you have to put his productivity and his, you know, kind of okay. Combine in um, is that that's kind of where that pulls him back because like we were talking about with Kyle, he was like very impressive young and then, not as statistically impressive as he like could have been, I don't think. Um, right. And so there's a, like a lot of raw potential there as an athlete, uh, but we didn't get to see 
as much as I think we anticipated. There, he, like he he did struggle with injury, and I think that even though he didn't miss games, he missed plays very clearly. Um, and so that's going to affect him in terms of like what you're seeing and and how often you're seeing him. And so for me, Swift is like an interesting question mark. Um, I don't know what the like overall like is he is, can he be a bell cow kind of guy? Um, is it more of like a Josh Jacobs type concern in terms of like oh yeah it, he didn't get the, as much volume as we wanted to see, but it doesn't doesn't really matter. Um, so that that's kind of where I'm at on him. Do you have anything there um, specifically on Swift as far as like the nuance there? Um, I mean, before really getting into evaluating this year's class. So uh, if you had asked me last year at this time who the number one running back in this class would be, I would have said DeAndre Swift and it wouldn't yep. have been close. Absolutely. Um, which is which is interesting that it's flipped so much for me that I have him at two or even three, depending on how high I am on uh, J.K. Dobbins at, uh, on any given day. Um, <laughs> right. But, you know, uh, depending on how much J.K. Dobbins film I've watched recently could be lower. No, uh, but so so I think Swift has all of the ability in the world. He was very banged up. Uh, I, I believe it was his ankle and that just changes the type of player you have to be. Um, so just like what Kyle was saying, he didn't see as much, uh, as much shake and as much elusiveness, but he saw more power. And I think maybe part of that is due to ankle injury, right? It's easier to drive forward off of an injured ankle than it is to cut side to side. So um, as I was watching his 2019 film, it looked so different from when he was a freshman, even um, when I thought, oh, wow, this kid, yeah. this, when he was a freshman, it was electric. And I mean, if, if he, if he can recover fully from this, this, uh, this injury plagued season and kind of return to that form, he, sh he will be the best running back to come out of this class. Like he, he has, he has the potential to be the most talented running back to come out of this class. Um, and really, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big fan of him. I think this year he looked more Tevin Coleman esque to me, uh, just as far as his play style, um, which wasn't necessarily exciting, but you still saw that he was explosive. You saw that he was more powerful. So I think there's a lot to like about, um, Deandre Swift and, uh, he, he should definitely be in your tier one of running backs. Um, there's, yeah, I, I just think he's he's a phenomenal prospect uh, overall. I think the um, I think it's interesting that he's so close with Zach Moss. Where do you have Zach Moss ranked? Uh, I have him six seven. So yeah, I, I yeah, we'll talk about Zach a little bit. But like Swift was like like Nick Chubb his freshman year was like oh my gosh this guy's amazing, <laughs> right. and then um, DeAndre Swift was kind of like that like. Whoa, this guy, he could be as good as because he was a freshman when Chubb and Michelle were seniors. It was like, oh, this guy, he could be better than those guys. And then I, we didn't see necessarily that same kind of like but we saw the potential, but we didn't see the the realization of that. And and like from a receiving standpoint, I don't know that he was utilized as well as he could have been at Georgia. And so um I I would compare him to like a mix in in terms of like there's there's some like juicy upside there, but if he doesn't get featured as a receiver, um, or you know, then then you get a little bit disappointed. And there's some things about Mixon's game that kind of match up to Swift's game in terms of like kind of interesting contact balance. Like Mixon's okay balance, but he'll get tripped up 
and I feel the same way about Swift. Like, oh, just wasn't able to pull away there. Um, and so there's like some elements there where like, okay, here's a really well-rounded back, really talented back. Um, I don't know if he's going to reach his potential um, or, or like the idea that I had um, for him, the dream that I had for him. Um, and so, I don't think, yeah, Go ahead. I, I think it's underrated how much he cut into like how, how when you are sharing the field with Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb to actually get touches, that's, yeah. that's incredible. Totally. Like, like that's, that's, like, that's huh? so underrated. <laughs> yeah. That's so underrated. Yeah. Uh, yeah, totally. It's like, um, you know, we talk about dominating with receivers. If you're sneaking yeah. in and you're getting on the field with those two guys, that's a big deal. Big deal. He got 81 attempts as a, as a true freshman. Yeah. Like that's and w- when they have no reason to give him any touch. Yeah, a- absolutely. You have, you have a first round back. I mean, Nick Chubb should have been drafted in the first round. He's drafted early second, but <laughs> I, I mean, you yeah. have a, you have first round and what is this first or the second pick in the second round those are the guys you're going up against and you're still getting 81 touches as a f- true freshman that's come on that's bonkers yeah yeah but so. that's i mean that's my thought on on deandre swift <laughs> i think he's great yeah yeah there's some some cool tools there and like going back to high school right he's cutting up these guys uh with wide receiver routes um like there's some there's some intrigue there but Anyways, <laughs> uh, Zach Moss, um, I've been kind of up and down on and up and down on in comparison to like the way that other people are up and down on a guy. So like somebody came out the other day and was like, Zach Moss is Ezekiel Elliott. <laughs> like, no, you idiot. <laughs> like, no, not even close. Oh, <laughs> like, like very distinctly. No, like, uh, how dare you <laughs> almost. Um, right. And so, like, there are some people who are so incredibly high on Zach Moss um, that I, I just, I'm not even close to that. I think it's disrespectful. Um, I've seen people with him yeah. as their RB1 or 2. Right. Yeah, no, you it's don't want to do that. That's yourself. That's dumb. But, I, I like, I do like him. I think he has starter level, like, ability. Um, again, we talked plenty about landing spot. But, um, like, Royce Freeman is a very interesting name. Ooh, for, yeah. Right? Um where you're like, oh, I like this guy. Um, but yet, we don't know necessarily. All of a sudden, Phil Lindsay's so much better. Does he have as much juice as you want your starting tailback to to have? Will he make the offensive explosive? I don't know. I think he's like, a, a talented receiver in terms of like his ability to catch the ball. But I don't think like, he doesn't have explosive burst. I th- he has one of the, I think, the best you know, like top three vision in this class in terms of the way that he sees the field and he understands where his um, linemen are, are setting him up and he has great feel. And I think um, his feet are really good. And so I'm grading him highly based on those things. Um, and I like, I like him in that sense. I like him more than, you know, Benjamin. And that is part of what causes me to put him above AJ Dillon. He, is he, um, he navigates well, but he also attacks with power. Um, where you don't see that the same way with Dylan, but um, that that's why I would have him six seven at the top of that tier three group. That's that's fair. I have him currently at six. It's Zach Moss six, Josh Kelly seven. So I'm yep. right there with you. Yeah. You, so you compared him to David Montgomery. Talk about that a little bit. I think um, where I see that comparison is there. Uh, their athletic measurables combined with um, production, like they were, they were pretty similar production wise. Uh, Zach Moss slightly more efficient, um, 
And I, I just see them overall having very similar play styles, not uh, not the same. They're not the same player at all. Uh, David Montgomery's uh, shiftier Zach Moss a little bit more north-south, but both elusive, um, both strong runners, both uh, adequate pass catchers. So um, I think for all the David Montgomery haters, you – are you basically can't like Zach Moss if you didn't like David Montgomery? You may have him rated higher than David Montgomery, but at the same time, they're they're so similar to me as far as all their measurables and numbers and abilities that that that's a that's a very natural comparison for me. I would I would have David Montgomery higher um, because we know his situation. We know that um, right. Bears yeah. traded up for him. You know, Definitely. and we know that that the Bears already have a stable of running backs that they feel pretty pretty confident with. So I wouldn't be surprised if they drafted another guy, but I I would not expect them at all to to spend more than a sixth round pick on a guy uh, for more than depth. And so I think Zach Moss is um, Zach Moss's situation makes him a little bit less valuable. While they may be a, a similar player, um, Zach Moss is going to be inherently less valuable because he's not going to get into a situation like that. Most likely, right. If he's drafted oh, as the sixth, sixth or seventh running back off the board in the real NFL draft, there's, yep. there's not a chance that he's given the starting role immediately. Like, like David Montgomery was, and he's, there's, there's so much more of an uphill battle for him there. Um, but I think that's a very, very natural comparison um, between Zach Moss and, and David Montgomery, as far as, uh, play style and abilities go. Um, they're not identical, but they're, they're close enough where I feel like, okay, that's, I, I liked David Montgomery personally. So I, I do like Zach Moss. Um, I just like these other guys better. Yeah. That you will see Kareem hunt, Zach Moss. I'm like, no, that's a disgrace. Ezekiel Elliott. Right. Zach Moss, no, but David Montgomery. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's okay. Uh, if he's, so, if he's given the starting role, you could see him as a top 20 running back. Sure. Yeah. There you go. Um, if so, Zach Moss should have come out last year. And you're telling me, though, yes. you have had David Montgomery ranked ahead of Zach Moss, right? We're talking rookie uh, of 2019 or whatever it was, right? <laughs> um, where where would the feel have been for you there? Um, I, think, I think the difference would have been for me, and we haven't seen him used this way by the Bears, which is actually a shame. Uh, but the difference is the, that I think David Montgomery's receiving ability is really, really strong. And, uh, and so, and he's not utilized that way, which is really frustrating. So I think that would have been the kicker for me. Um, yeah. I, I also like the way he, he evades people's contact balance is slightly better. So there's certain things that I would say, okay, they're close enough in all these things that, like the one or two things that edges David Montgomery out are, are important enough to me as an evaluator or, or I grade them higher in certain categories um, that like if Zach Moss's vision is slightly better than David Montgomery's, then like, okay, that's not, I, I would rather see someone with a little bit better receiving ability, a little bit better contact balance because um, as we saw David Montgomery's vision and, and ability to run actually improved throughout the season. So I, I would say that they're, um, that like, that's something that's easier to improve upon is your vision and, and your ability to read the holes than it is your contact balance and receiving ability. So that's, that's kind of where I would have David Montgomery higher. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think I'd 
end up with Montgomery higher elusiveness versus power, right? That right. gives Zach a little bit more power points, give David a little more elusiveness. But yeah. Um, so just kind of finishing up with our um, model lens, um, Clyde Edwards Hilaire falls pretty far down. So we're talking college productivity. Um, he's going to fall pretty far because he, he, um, came out or basically wasn't a starter until later. And that's because of Darius Geis, um, and his presence there. And so he kind of fits in with uh, Kenyon Drake, um, fits in, uh, Michael Warren is another name that's in this draft class. Uh, Amir Abdullah is another really interesting name that I think Clyde, um, is worth talking about, um, uh, in terms of that context. So, um, yeah, that that's where he's at in terms of his productivity. Um, I, I mean, I I love everything about Clyde that you can can say about a four six running back, right? He's awesome. I have him as my number four running back right now. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like we were talking about, he could he could move up and down. Cam Akers could move up and down. J.K. Like all those guys could move up and down for me. Um, yeah. But he's solidly in my top five, and I don't see anything moving him out. He's an excellent uh he's an excellent pass catcher he's his contact balance is awesome he's incredible with the ball in his hands like if if he were faster like if he were mid five four fives mid four fives you'd you'd immediately have him ranked so much higher right it was just his right. top end speed that you're more worried about because he's explosive enough he, he's explosive enough on film he gets out of there uh, uh just fine gets out of his breaks just fine and Um, I think what he does with the ball in his hands is really special. Like it's, it's just as special as any other back in this class. And so, um, I'm excited for Clyde Edwards Hilaire, uh, because I think, I think his upside is very, very high. And, um, I think, I I think we're going to see a lot of good stuff from him, uh, once he gets into the next level. Yeah. Like, um, He's so Fuzu, you know Fuzu. Um, he's he's uh, like a very interesting cat, um, and I love him. Uh, but he was like, if Clyde Edwards wasn't on LSU, nobody would have him ranked. He'd be a day three pick, and that's such a like interesting perspective, right? Because it's like, oh, here's this little tiny guy, five eight, whatever, um, you know, two barely over two hundred pounds, and it's like, well, what are you gonna do? <laughs> What are you going to do with that? Um, and so to me, the thing that jumps out so much is that like, yes, LSU being a part of the LSU national team, huge deal and being productive in the SEC is a huge deal. Um, but if he, if he was on, like if he was coming out of um, SMU or LA tech, uh, like Kenneth Dixon, right. I would have no way of differentiating between him and Kenneth Dixon. Um, right. and, and so like, that is like, how like waiting school and waiting conference is so valuable um, to me but, uh, for that reason. Um, but in response to that comment, as far as like, Oh, this is just like an average back that was in a good system um, or on a really highly productive team. I'd say, heck no. Clyde Edwards Hilaire is um, just like fantastic at everything that he does. And if we're comparing him to past LSU running backs, like, let's just look statistically at what they did to Alabama, their number one competition, right? Leonard Fournette in like three games had one touchdown and averaged like literally like two yards carry. Uh, Darius Geis had no touchdowns in his starting game. And so 
um Clyde had four <laughs> like the guy just like totally dumped on Alabama he, like crushed them and it wasn't about Joe Burrow it was about Clyde Edwards Slayer doing whatever he wanted to do to every single Alabama player um and embarrassing Nick Saban at home yeah. like just oh my gosh right the the guy yeah. was fantastic against the best team in the country right everybody was like Alabama number one right they're gonna win it all and basically Clyde said no <laughs> and he did what every other LSU running back could not do, failed to do. Um, and so I think that's why the the value is is there for Clyde. Um, or yeah, okay, maybe he didn't produce early and so he bumps down production-wise, but like football player, stud. Absolutely. He's I and I I disagree with no one would care about him. Right? He mm-hmm. would be he would be a guy that people would you'd still see the same stuff right he's he's so good yeah. with the ball in his hands that you would see all of the same things maybe he wouldn't have been as uber productive he wouldn't have been in the spotlight people still would have cared people still would have cared immensely he would still he would still be in the top 6 for guys i think regardless of school because you watch him on film and you see that this guy is special just like i mean not I, I, this is so hard but like kareem hunt right Kareem Hunt sure. was in a lot of people's top five. He played at Toledo. Like he wasn't in sure. the spotlight, but you saw what he could do with the ball in his hands. And like, it was very much justified. So um, I think I, I disagree with that, uh, that thought that he's only getting the hype because he was on LSU. He's getting more hype because he was on LSU but he's not only getting hyped because he was on LSU, right? That's, I think that's the the difference there sure. for me. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. How many four, six guys are we murdering though? If they're small school guys, pretty much all of them. They're dead. They're dead to us if they're on a four, six. Yeah. So, yeah. That, that's the challenge there. Um, we'll finish up with uh, Jonathan, uh, uh, JK Dobbins. And so he didn't run at the combine or anything like that. Um, and so he doesn't show up in the model um, with everybody else. Um, if we're just looking at production though, he's there with Ezekiel Elliott. He's actually graded above Ezekiel Elliott. Um, he's a two spots behind Jonathan Taylor. Um, and so names around there, Darren McFadden, no Marino, those kind of guys. So, um, super highly productive, um, big upside. Is he your two? What are you hot or cold today? Yeah. (laughs) He's, he's my two right now. Uh, and while it is close, I just, for for me, and maybe this is a fault of my own, I I have certain play styles that I like, right? Yeah. Deontay Johnson last year, I was higher on a lot of people uh, than than a lot of people on Deontay Johnson because just because I liked his play style, and so um, J.K. Dobbins is another guy where I really like his play style. I prefer his play style over uh, 2019 DeAndre Swift, right? And so if we're looking at 2019 as the most accurate depiction of who the, of who they are currently. Um, granted, that might not be the case with DeAndre Swift. J.K. Dobbins, J.K. Dobbins is, I mean, he's he's special with the ball in his hands. His agility is is awesome. Um, I think he's a, a good receiving back. I, I don't think he's like elite necessarily, but I think there's there's so much to like about J.K. Dobbins when you're at Ohio State and you run for. I, I mean, anytime you run for two thousand yards, that's that's bananas. That's nuts. Uh, and he he had a 1400 yard season as a freshman, as a true freshman. Like 
the guy checks all the boxes for me. Um, and yeah. even at his worst, he still had a thousand yard season, you know? Yeah. If your worst season is a thousand yard season as a sophomore, I'm all right with that. Um, so JK Dobbins, for me, the only real hesitation I have on him is if a team does not like his pass blocking because he's pretty abysmal with that. Um, that could make it a little bit more difficult for him to see the field, but I think there's just so much talent there. Um, and his play style is, is one that I absolutely love to watch. Yeah. The, the pass blocking is interesting because I've seen people that I respect be like, Oh, JK Dobbins is a good pass protector. Um, and like, yeah, I just can't get over the Wisconsin game where it's just like the worst thing I've ever seen. <laughs> um, but um, like, yeah, I, I think Dobbins, you, people will have him flipped with Taylor for number one. And I'm okay with that, right? If you're going to value yeah. like the passing potential as or the receiving potential is higher, like, okay, great. Um, he's got the best lateral cut that anybody I've ever seen of anybody ever. Um, and so that like, oh, it was just so like, he's sweet so um, nice. from that yeah. standpoint. So um, definitely a lot to like. Um, for me, I, yeah, I think I'm settling with him at number two. Um, in the class so um totally yeah. i'm totally good with that that's that's where i have him red dead all right dude thanks for getting on here it's been a lot of fun i love talking running backs they're the most fun <laughs> uh any any last guys that uh you thought were you anthony mcfarland anthony mcfarland has some juice i gotta dive a little bit deeper into him but he's got some juice if you watch what he did to ohio state he's he's got a couple of these runs and you're just like wow this guy can move he ran a 4-4 uh so excited about about him in the right spot and um i can't mention running backs if i don't talk about my guy rodney smith uh you know he was so good (laughs) we loved rod so much and then for whatever reason just things did not pan out for him in college. So I don't expect a ton from him at the NFL level, but uh, I, I love Rodney Smith from uh, Minnesota. I think, I think he, before uh, a freshman, sophomore, if you go watch his freshman, sophomore highlight tapes, they're just so, I love, oh, I love watching those. They're amazing. 2016, go watch it, but he's, he's old. <laughs> um, and so we'll, we'll kind of see what happens with him. How about you? Anyone else you got? Yeah, I mean, uh, Antonio, Kyle brought up Antonio Gibson. I think that's fantastic. He's a running back. He's not a receiver, um, but he can play out in the slot, and I love that. Um, I, Ty Montgomery, I think, is where you, you have to go with him in terms of uh, what you're thinking as far as like career transition. Um, but I'm I'm big on Gibson, um, and if a team is going to believe in him at all, like pff, put him in the top five. <laughs> yep. um, yeah, he's got juice, so definitely love that. All right, dude. Well, All right, man. we will uh, we will see you guys next time. Make sure that you check out the uh, British Ballers. Their podcast just released this past Thursday. Their second podcast, they did a rookie mock draft. Go ahead, check that out. It's a lot of fun. We are the Fantasy Football Astronauts, and we are blasting off again. <laughs>